Merci. We can thank our brain for keeping us alive. <laughs> like, thank you, brain. Thank you for holding on to these patterns for so long because you've helped me survive. But now I'm an adult. I'm not five years old anymore. And so the five-year-old patterns that I took on, which were really important back then, they're no longer useful. And I'm ready to let those go and create some new ones. Hi, I'm Dr. Irene O'Brien, and you're listening to Neuroscience of Coaching. I'm a cognitive neuroscientist with almost 30 years of study and practice in psychology and neuroscience. And as the founder of the Neuroscience School, I teach coaches and other wellness professionals practical, evidence-based strategies to use in their own practices. I'm passionate about uncomplicating these subjects and clarifying misinformation to help more people understand their unwanted behaviors, as well as their power to change them. In each episode, I introduce a topic or concept that coaching clients struggle with, bringing listeners the latest scientific research in psychology and neuroscience. I invite a seasoned coach to discuss the topic with me, and together we provide you with useful science-based tools to help your clients reach their goals by working with their brains rather than against their brains. To truly empower your clients and promote meaningful change, you must understand how the brain works. And contrary to what you might think, the human brain is not only a reactive organ, it's also a predictive machine. And by that, I mean it constantly makes predictions about future events based on past experiences. Today, we're going to talk about the predictive brain and why it's important for you and your clients. The brain's foundational purpose is to ensure we survive, grow, and reproduce. To do that, the brain anticipates the body's needs based on previous experiences and prepares to meet them. This process is called allostasis, or body budgeting. This means that at its core, the brain is in a constant state of prediction, trying to keep us safe and functional. Every moment, every memory, and every experience we have shapes the architecture of our brain. Imagine constructing a building brick by brick. Each brick represents an experience of our lives, and the brain develops similarly. Every memory and moment impacts its structure, creating our internal model of the world. The brain uses data from previous experiences to predict future needs. Identifying threats and meeting our physiological needs are its first priority. From an evolutionary point of view, introspection took a backseat to the vital goal of staying alive. When confronted with a situation, the brain scans its database and asks, have I seen this before? What did I do? This reference system is incredibly efficient and allows us to respond quickly to situations. But this tendency can also trap us in detrimental routines and biases. For example, if you were publicly ridiculed, even as a child, the brain could predict a similar outcome in all public environments, leading to social anxiety or avoidance. Your brain doesn't just react to what's happening right now. It also tries to predict the future. It can sense and get ready for changes even before they happen. Before you take a sip of water, your brain already predicts the change it will cause in your body. And that's why you feel you've quenched your thirst right after the first sip, even though it takes 20 minutes to reach your bloodstream. These predictions help us respond fast to dangers or opportunities, like spotting a hidden predator or catching signs of illness early. 
This is why habits and behavior patterns are hard to change. Your brain predicts what it already knows. And if you don't challenge its predictions, it can predict you into a straitjacket. I've just scratched the surface of how the predictive brain works. To help me explore why this is important and what you can do about it, I've invited Lion Goodman to the show. Lion is a professional certified coach and the CEO of the Clear Beliefs Institute, which is dedicated to awakening, healing, and enlightening humanity. Through decades of inner exploration and work with hundreds of clients, Lion has developed an expert understanding of our belief systems. Welcome to the show, Lion. Thank you so much, Irene. It's a true pleasure to be here with you. I'm excited to talk to you today about how coaches can leverage their understanding of the predictive brain. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your coaching work and how you came to be doing the work you are doing now? Sure. I teach a program called the Clear Beliefs Coach Training, and the methodology that we use is called the Clear Beliefs Method of Trauma-Informed Therapeutic Coaching. So it falls somewhere between coaching and therapy. It is the in-between space that allows coaches to really clear out the past, clear out those predictions that have been used forever and caused patterns of behavior or thought or emotion to repeat over and over again. And so it's a methodology developed over a 40-year period, and it includes about 20 different techniques for diving into the deep subconscious mind and clearing those knots and confusions that are throughout the brain that prevent us from moving forward. Okay, let's start with why this matters. Why is it so important that coaches understand how the predictive brain works? Well, what you're pointing out as predictions, I term beliefs. And we experience beliefs more than we experience predictions or neurons or brain firing. We experience as our experience. And so I refer to this mechanism as beliefs. These are the forms that the brain has created, the conclusions that it's come to about what might happen next based on the past. And in the past, we were forming our personality, forming our behavior, forming our emotional reactions based on what happened. And as you said, those patterns can become a straitjacket. So if I was looked at with a frown by my grandmother, anyone who looks like my grandmother, is if they frowned, I'm going to be reacting the same way as I did when I was three years old. <laughs> so the associative matrix of the brain is looking at and generalizing everything in the world so that every woman looks like a mother to the child mind, every man looks like a father to the child mind, and every danger looks like I could die to the primitive brain. So that's why it's important to understand how our brain works, how the mind works, how beliefs work, because it allows us to clear what's in our way so that we can move forward. Coaches are oriented toward moving people forward, but it's the past that holds us back. Yeah, exactly. So how does it help coaches to know that the brain is building from past experiences to predict future needs? Basic psychology teaches us that a lot of our current behavior and thoughts and emotions are based on the past. And this is the same thing as the predictive mind or the predictive brain. Our past is building our capabilities. It's building our self-view. Who we believe we are is all based on our past experience. And so if we're operating as adults in the world and something keeps happening, like I keep not speaking up when called on or I hold myself back from marketing, 
that means that there's something going on in the deep subconscious mind or in the brain, whichever you'd like to point to, that says, don't speak up. So if we could find out what that is and clear it out of the way, then when it's time to speak up, I just speak up. I'm not held back anymore. Yes. Yeah. And just like you said, the predictive brain really can hold us back. Yes. In fact, everything that holds us back could be said to be a belief or a predictive mechanism, or there's lots of different words for it, paradigm, schemas. These are the structures we build. You mentioned that we build our building, we build our personality brick by brick, experience by experience. And the experiences build up into patterns, patterns of thought, patterns of emotion and feeling, patterns of behavior, patterns of reaction. And so those are the things that get in people's way when they're trying to create a new future is every time I go to write a blog, something holds me back and instead I end up in the refrigerator staring at a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> so these are the real experiences of our clients and of us as coaches as well, is that we keep running into the same thing over and over again. And as far as I can tell through my 40 years of research, the only way to clear them out of the way is to go back into the past the memories of the experiences that started the pattern and to clear it at that level. There's lots of outside-in ways of dealing with it, like just do it or put it on your calendar or get an accountability partner. Those are all outside-in solutions to the problems, and some of them work pretty well. But to really clear them permanently, you have to go back into the subconscious past, into the memory system, and clear it out there. Then it just doesn't come up anymore. Yes. And if we're not challenging and updating our brain's predictions, we're limiting our growth and potential. Absolutely. So can you share a client's story or one of your own that illustrates this or what it looks like to break free? A multimillionaire came to me because he heard that I was a subconscious pattern detective. So he said, hey, I keep making millions and then losing millions and then making millions and losing millions. And I'm tired of the pattern can you help me? And I said, sure, let's dive in. So in about three sessions, I had him back into a memory that he didn't remember he had. It came up suddenly in our exploration. And that was a memory of his being three years old, walking on the streets of New York with his mother, holding her hand. And he looked down and he saw a shiny penny. And he got very excited. And he reached down to pick up the penny and his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that, it's dirty. And he suddenly realized that the reason he couldn't hold on to his millions that he was very capable of making was because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. And that realization that opened up his understanding of the pattern that was at a very deep subconscious level that he never would have come to on his own. It was a hidden memory, but it was there in the subconscious memory system. And once he realized that that was the source of the pattern, we did a few exercises and cleared it out of the way. And he didn't have to lose his millions anymore. That's pretty amazing. All from not being allowed to pick up a penny. Right. When you're three years old, your mother is your survival mechanism. And if mother gets mad at something you do, you want to make sure she doesn't get mad again. There's the prediction, right? If mother gets mad, I could be tossed out to the wolves or flushed down the toilet. And I don't want that to happen. So I will do whatever doesn't make mother mad. So that's the underlying mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. As you said, the brain is based on our survival. And so it came to the conclusion that money's dirty and you shouldn't touch it. So we've all got hundreds or thousands of those kinds of conclusions based on our upbringing. And we're carrying them around with us at the subconscious level. So I know you specialize in clearing beliefs. 
But there's some other strategies that coaches can use to help challenge the predictions that their clients' brains are making. And so some of the ones that I recommend are helping clients develop awareness, right? Because there are many clients that don't have self-awareness, of course. And some of the other things that I often recommend is getting out of our routines, about reframing uh, perspectives, which coaches are familiar with, uh, positive self-affirmation. There is a story that I read. And it was about this guy who was working uh, in Silicon Valley. It was his dream job. But after a while, he realized that his life had become a complete routine, right? He got up at the same time every morning. He took his bike to work. He stopped at the same coffee shop. And then he realized that even though it was his dream job, his life was very routine and it was overly familiar and there was no more excitement in his life. And so he went around changing his life. He developed an algorithm that would choose what city he would work from every three months, that would choose what food he would eat, that would choose what clothes he wore, what activities he did in the other city. And so, I mean, that was pretty extreme, but his life became more exciting. An algorithm is an outer program that you rely on to run your behavior. And the brain is algorithmic, right? These are the patterns that we're talking about. So you could rely on an outer algorithm like flipping a coin. Am I going to turn left or right here? Now, the advantage of doing that is that it keeps you in the present moment because you don't know what's going to happen. And you mentioned awareness. Your awareness is much more present. Most people's awareness is spread throughout the past, the present, and the future. What am I going to do later? What happened yesterday? I got mad at my wife and now I'm pissed off all day. So our attention is spread through that whole timeline. Now we really only exist in the present. Our feelings and our body sensations are only in the present moment, but we have the ability with our brain system to remember the past, use it and rely on it for predictions of the future and thinking about the future and predicting what might happen and what we need to do to make it happen. So Changing your routine is a great way of having more attention in the present moment rather than the past. What did I do yesterday or the future? What am I going to do tomorrow? So it's a very good exercise. There are a lot of outside-in interventions that coaches use, and you mentioned some of them. Just say affirmations. The problem with affirmations is that when you say a new affirmation, like I'm going to write a blog today and get it out to my audience, it stimulates all of the old algorithms which are the memories and the beliefs, and they'll come up and reassert themselves. Nobody wants to hear from you. Who do you think you are? (laughs) You're not a very good writer anyway. So these are the inner voices that prevent people from moving forward and doing what they say they want to do or doing what they know they need to do. And so we need to go inside to clear them. Otherwise, they just keep coming up every time we say a new affirmation or make a new decision. So I could say I'm going to lose 10 pounds by the wedding in two months, and immediately it stimulates all the old beliefs. Oh, come on, you've never lost 10 pounds in two months. Besides, you have that chocolate cake in the refrigerator that you need to finish before you start a diet, and oh, just forget about it, just get a bigger dress. (laughs) So these are the old algorithms, the old programs that are coming up and are stimulated by the new decision. This is a mechanism. Every time you make a decision or choose something new in your life, it will automatically stimulate all the old ones that are in the memory system that are in conflict with your new decision. And so first thing to know is they're just old programs. The second thing to know is is that 
they can be cleared out. They're not real. And third, there's many ways of clearing them out and getting them out of the way so that they don't hold you back. So more people are stopped by these internal resistance mechanisms than by any external circumstances. Yeah, I agree that uh, positive affirmations and the way that most people use them really don't work, right? Because your brain doesn't believe them because it's based on past experience and it's never worked before. But there are a couple of ways that I teach that they do work. And one of them is the directed abstraction technique. That's the official psychology term for it. But it goes like this. So this went well today because I am, right? So um, my talk went well today because I'm a good speaker, right? And so it has to be something true. Right. And so then you start, if, if you do some of those every day that are true, then it can start changing how you think about yourself. Right. So what you're doing then is that you're changing your predictive brain patterns today for tomorrow. Right. And as you do those, you're creating a new predictive brain. And then the other way to do the positive affirmations is so if you have something uh, like you have to give a speech right? You can go back over your life and start listing all the skills that you have so that that can help you do better as a public speaker, right? And we all have skills that we can use and past successes. So you're feeding your brain new information, not necessarily new, but you're highlighting information that it already has and that it might have forgotten. I think that's great. Those are great techniques. Uh, Rick Hansen talks about how the brain is Teflon for the positive and Velcro for the negative. And so that's a way of emphasizing the positive, remembering the positive things. And the hope is that it eventually will overcome the negative beliefs that we have. What I've found to be most efficient in my work is to clear the old beliefs first and then install a new belief. I use the analogy of building a garden. Let's say you want to build a garden in your backyard. The first thing you do is you have to clear the stones and the rocks and the weeds from the land. If you just throw your seeds on rocky, weedy ground, you're not going to get much to grow. But if you clear the land first and amend the soil and then you plant the seeds, then they can grow and flower and fruit. So the brain is a lot like that. If we clear out what the old programs are first, then when we install the new ones, there's no resistance. There's no conflict between the old ones and the new ones because the old ones are gone. Yeah. So I think the takeaway from this is that we can change our predictive brain patterns, right? It's going to take some effort, but it is possible to do that so that tomorrow and in the following days and weeks and months, we are creating a different brain pattern, right? A different predictive brain pattern. Absolutely. When people come to us, they want to change their life. They want to do something they haven't done or accomplish something they haven't accomplished or get rid of something that they don't like. <laughs> so our job as coaches is to help them do that. And there's many, many methodologies to do it. If it works, it works. That's my rule. <laughs> if, if something works, great, you know, do it. But everybody's also very different. And so we need a wide range of tools to apply to our students because the old saying is if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And there's a lot of coaches with one tool and they keep applying it to everybody. And it works for some people, but not for most. And so my whole life was dedicated to looking for the tools that work the best for the most people and to apply those tools in a way that 
are basically uh, 97% guaranteed. <laughs> Nothing works for everybody, but the tools that I've accumulated and that I teach are ones that really work for most people. And that's why I love doing what I do because it enables a coach to become much more effective in helping their client achieve what they want to achieve. And part of it is clearing up the past because the past is we're dragging the past along like heavy baggage as we try to move into the future. And it slows us down and it prevents us from accomplishing our goals. Yeah, most of us, I would say all of us have experienced that, right? And actually experienced that continually because we're never seen to be where we want to be. And we can thank our brain for keeping us alive. <laughs> like, thank you, brain. Thank you for holding on to these patterns for so long because you've helped me survive. But now I'm an adult. I'm not five years old anymore. And so the five-year-old patterns that I took on, which were really important back then, they're no longer useful. And I'm ready to let those go and create some new ones. So we've talked about the negative consequences of having a predictive brain. I mean, there are positive consequences, right? One that you just mentioned that's kept us alive. And that's exactly what the brain thinks. I've kept you alive for this long, so then whatever I'm doing is right. So we're just going to keep doing the same thing. And so that's the way it thinks. But there are other ways that having a predictive brain is good for you. So for example, it enables you to automate skills like driving or playing sports, because if you had to stop and think about every move that you had to make, you wouldn't be able to drive, right? You would be going like at two miles an hour. Absolutely. And most people have had the experience of driving home and parking the car and then realizing, I don't remember driving here. <laughs> and that's because there's a part of us that is the inner driver that's quite accomplished, that has all of that ability to look at traffic and turn where you need to turn and stop at stoplights. And it's an automated part of us. And we work a lot with inner parts because we not only have an inner driver, we also have an inner critic, the one that tells us we're doing it wrong or not doing it well enough. Now, we also have our inner child or inner children who are still very active inside of us. And this is just an, a metaphor for exactly what we're talking about. But these parts of us have not only a personality, but they also have a lot of energy and they take up a lot of energy. So, for example, if and we hear them as voices inside our head, often we've interjected our parent's voice. A critical parent becomes our inner critic. So we work with parts as well as with beliefs, and parts are simply a collection of beliefs plus agency. They have kind of aliveness, and we can talk to them and communicate with them and actually change their jobs. So for example, an inner critic could be transformed into an inner scout that looks for great opportunities. So when you talk about changing an inner critic to an inner scout, does that mean just looking at your inner critic with different eyes? No, it actually is a process of dialoguing with the inner critic and waking it up to itself. So again, it's like an automatic part. It's like the driver, but it's just the one that if your mother was criticizing you, it kept you in alignment with mother. So there's the survival mechanism, right? If I internalize the inner critic, my mother's voice, then I will align with her better. I will do the things she wants me to do. And so it's a survival mechanism. And so we have to dialogue with it and wake it up to itself because it is like a being. It's like a part of us, but it has agency. It has aliveness. And so by engaging it in dialogue, we kind of wake it up to its own self. And then we say, you know, look, you can see that Irina is not happy with you, right? And the inner part usually can say, yes, that's true. She doesn't like what I do, but I have to do it. 
Say, well, would you be willing to change your job and become a benefit to Irina rather than hold her back? Because she's no longer five years old. She doesn't need to be aligned with mom anymore. And the inner critics are usually very comfortable changing their jobs as long as they're not gotten rid of. So there's a lot of people that say, well, let's just get rid of those things. But they're there for our survival. They don't want to be gone. And so we help them change their jobs. And usually they're much happier. The individual we're working with is much happier. And they feel an ally instead of a, a critic. So you're changing your brain's predictions. Yes, we're changing the job of a part of the brain that created that voice as a survival mechanism, and it's now doing something else. So reframing is another powerful technique, right, that all coaches pretty much, I think, know how to do. And so reframing can also change your brain's predictions. Do you ever use reframing? Well, we call it changing perspective, which I think is the same thing. It's basically having a look at an issue or a problem from a different perspective, from a different point of view, and seeing it differently. So we use a lot of guided imagery in our work, and we have people go into past memories or body sensations and really feel what's going on from an inner experiential point of view. And for example, I was working with a client recently who was yelled at by her father, and as a young girl, she just she got very frightened and basically shut down. And so by going back into the memory, we had her not only feel her own experience as a young girl, but also put her attention inside her father to understand what he was experiencing. And that shift of perspective gave her an understanding that he had his own fear and he had his own depression and that he was coming from that place. And it allowed her to have compassion for that man at that time. And it opened her heart to the relationship and she opened her heart back up to her father. This is after 20 years of keeping it shut. So that's a kind of reframing. Yeah, I guess reframing is really uh, just changing perspective. That's all it is. And so we can help our clients look at issues from a different perspective and then change their feelings about it. What I tell my students is that the most important thing for them to know about the brain is that it is predictive. If they know that everything their client says and does and thinks is really based on the past, it can change how you coach just by knowing that. And so I think that the takeaway really is that we can change our brain's predictions. It's not always going to be easy, right? But it is possible to change our predictions so that tomorrow it's predicting in a way that you like better than what it's predicting today and still keep you alive. Absolutely. Yes. That's a good, important part to add to it. Because if the predictive brain thinks you're going to die by changing something, it will refuse to change it. So we have to involve all the parts of ourselves in that change and make sure everybody inside, you know, all of our different parts are okay with that change. But yes, when that happens, life is different and it looks a lot brighter and there's a lot more possibilities. Yes. The one thing we haven't talked about is that that's why habits are hard to change. It's because once you've created a habit, your brain is going to keep predicting that, right? And that's why habits are hard to change. You have to change your brain's predictions in order to change your habit. The brain is habitual. Our nervous system is habitual, and that's what we're calling the prediction machine. So a habit is simply a prediction that if I do the same thing, I will have the same experience or I will be safe. If I lock the door 12 times, I will be safe. Okay, so thank you, Lion. Thank you, Irina. How can people get in touch with you and find out more about your work? 
For coaches, therapists, and healers, practitioners, they can go to clearbeliefs.com to find out about our Clear Beliefs coach training. And for those who are interested in my other writings, they can go to liongoodman.com. To summarize, our brains are pretty amazing. They use everything we've learned from the past to guess what might happen next. This comes in super handy when we need to make quick decisions, like spotting something off in our surroundings or reacting fast while driving. But here's the catch. The same knack for prediction can also keep us stuck in old habits and biases, which makes changing our ways a bit of a challenge. So we've been talking about how to get a step ahead of our brain's predictive game. First off, realizing that our brain is always trying to predict the future is a game changer. Just being aware of that can kickstart some real change. We can change what we believe, reframe our perspectives, shake up our daily routines, or try something new. And for those times when we're our own worst critics, positive affirmations done correctly can be a powerful tool to turn those negative thoughts around. We don't have to be slaves to our brain's predictions. I'm Dr. Irene O'Brien, and you've been listening to Neuroscience of Coaching. You can find out more about me at neurosciencesschool.com. The Neuroscience of Coaching is a part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Consciousness Explored, on which Lyon recently described a near-death experience you just can't miss. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Danny Inney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Marvin Del Rosario. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Neuroscience of Coaching, please follow us on Miracy FM's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a star review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas out there to more people. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <music>